we've talked about sort of, you know, Christians engaging with neighbors, assuming that they're not Christians. But can we just for a moment talk about, is there sacredness in in others, irrespective of their beliefs? Yeah, I think there's something really beautiful that can happen when you set your beliefs aside and come together as humans and create some vulnerability aside from pushing agendas. And I'll use an example of when I moved to San Diego in my early 20s. Um, Some of the kindest, most hospitable, most welcoming people were my neighbors and they welcomed us in and uh, legitimately introduced us to so many things in San Diego that it made it feel like home right away because of them. And they were not believers. And that always has stayed with me because I'm like, man, if someone who does not know Jesus can be that loving, that welcoming, that accepting, like, what is wrong with us? Like, I don't understand why we can't basically bend over backwards for people in our neighborhood to love them because we've been given love that never fails and we have abundance of it and so why can we not give that to our neighbors like that should be the first thing we do when we move into a neighborhood it really should be we should seek to know people seek to love them seek to open our doors and create just this level of sacred relationship because that is the basis if we're gonna ultimately we want them all to know jesus right that's our desire that's our deepest desire is that they would all know jesus so starting with love and an openness there's something so beautiful and sacred about that Mm -hmm. should we always go into those conversations thinking okay this like i'm gonna i'm gonna quote unquote, win this person to the Lord. No. Like, should we always be thinking like, this person's going to get saved. I just have to minister to them. We don't know the ways of God. We don't know who he chooses and who he doesn't choose. We're just vessels. Um, So I think our openness to just love equally and to just be available and open to the people God has put literally right next door to us or across the street from us. I think us not trying to have an agenda, man, when you have an agenda, it really makes love hard because you're constantly thinking in the back of your mind, okay, is now the right time? Okay, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to share the gospel right now. Okay. Instead of just being like, this is my neighbor. Tell me about yourself. Like, tell me something about your life. I want to know you. I almost think God is more honored with that type of posture than he is with a, ooh, it's really, really, really pressing that I share the gospel right, right now. Because there's, that's genuine love. When you can actually seek to know someone. And then once you know them, your desire to share the gospel is going to be more and more because you will come to love them. And in loving them, you will want to share the truth. And so, yeah, I think it it is absolutely possible to be able to love your neighbors 
without having that flashing gospel light. Yep. And I mean, we've had, yeah, we've had neighbors and friends who we never, I'm just going to say it like this, quote unquote, never shared the gospel with. We never, you know, said anything about, we just were friends with them. And it was for a season, like we had neighbor, I'm thinking of one neighbor specifically in, in Greensboro, North Carolina, when mm-hmm. we lived there for a little while. And we had dinner with her multiple times. She bought our kids yep. gifts. And mm-hmm. so many other neighbor relationships where we never were like, oh yeah, we're Christians and we love Jesus. And do you want to be a Christian? And here's the gospel. Yeah. Like don't be that. awkward about it. No, because here's the thing. Are, are they doing that? Are they preaching their gospel in an awkward way? No, they're just being people. They're yeah. just they're just living, and you, you you can tell by how someone lives who they are. You can tell right away. A Christian should be able to not even have to say anything. Yeah. About scripture. That's good. For them to be known that they are a Christian, or that or that's there's something different about them, mm-hmm. because there's a generosity, there's a kindness. It's all the characteristics of Jesus. Yeah. And even when I think about Jesus in the Bible, when he, you know, ate with the prostitutes and, you know, had, had dinner with the Pharisees and whatever relationships that, that, that looked like in scripture, um, I don't think, and I, I don't want to misquote because I, I haven't seen this in scripture, but I don't think that every single one of those conversations was like, I am the way, the truth and the life. So pour me another drink and let's continue eating. No, I I think it was life on life. And even when Jesus spoke to larger crowds, he was speaking in stories. Mm-hmm. He was telling them stories. And a lot of people were confused. A lot of times they were like, okay, what does that mean? And they would even ask Jesus, like, can you, so what do you, what, what do you, what do you yeah. mean by this? Can you clarify this? And so it wasn't evident to those people that he was the son of God. All the time. And so I think for us to keep some mystery and to let the Holy Spirit do the work, because maybe, maybe just maybe, we are one little puzzle piece in someone's journey. Maybe we're not meant to even sow the seed. Maybe we're just meant to like literally lay the foundation, like the the base foundation. Yeah. Then someone else that God has planned will plant the seed and and then he will cause the growth. And let your neighbors ask the questions. Like if you're a, a house of hospitality and you have small group at your house or you have people over all the time, let your neighbors be like, that's curious. Why do you have people over all the time? Let let the opportunities kind of present themselves in the way that you live, that your neighbor is like, they're weird. Why do they do that? Mm. What it, What is that all about? Or like, I see that, you know, every Sunday you guys are gone. What? Where are you going every Sunday? I don't know. Just let let your life speak words to them. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother who lives in New York City, he, um, he lives in a very diverse neighborhood. And so I, I think about him often with this question because we visited there several times and you know, it's just kind of all over the place. And if you've been, if you've never been to New York City, you should definitely do it, at least just for the experience. This kind of brings about this question of like, what do you do when you're when when you're in a really diverse neighborhood? So, you know, you have folks that are living in suburbs, gated suburbs, 
you have folks living in the inner city. I mean, like you're literally 18 stories up on an apartment and then you have neighborhoods like ours, like we're at the end of a cul-de-sac and it's very quiet. We have deer and turkey running all over and it's just like super peaceful and it's a very different type of neighborhood. And so what do you do when you're in something, when, when you're in a neighborhood like a very diverse one, maybe high stress, things like that? What are some ways that we can build bridges and sort of break down those barriers with with them? Yeah, holidays are a great entry point. So like host a neighborhood Christmas party. Like whether you're a believer or not, everybody loves Christmas. The twinkle lights, the music, the drinks, the desserts. Like I don't know of many people who would turn down a fun Christmas party with free food and drinks. Like be generous. Mm. Uh, I mean, fill your table and fill the glasses and just provide a space for people to come with no agenda. Like have music playing in the background. Don't have awkward things that you have planned, like pin the tail on the donkey. (laughs) Just like be, be available. Use the holidays as an opportunity. And like Andrew said earlier too, like use your front porch or your outdoor space as like an extended portion of your house to be visual to the neighbors as they walk by, as they're outside. Like, That's good. Yeah. And to touch on that point that you just mentioned, man, be generous. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could talk about, we could have a whole episode of just on generosity where I have learned, I mean, I used to be kind of stingy. I'm like, Lindsay knows this. Like, you know, we've been married for almost 12 years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be stingy. And, and that, that was based on uh, the way that I grew up. I, yeah. I grew up very poor. And so, you know, when I finally did make some money for myself, I was like, well, I got to hold on to this. I got to save this. And the Lord has just really done a work in my heart. He's just sort of broken that. And, uh, I, you know, I'm still I'm still mindful of finances, but I I just love being generous. It's yeah. like one of my, I, I, I told Lindsay, I said, my, my my dream job is to make millions and millions of dollars because I just want to give it away. Mm-hmm. I just literally want to like... I love giving away. I love giving money away. I love buying people food, drinks, things like that. And so um, be generous and don't hold on to the money so tightly because you can't take it with you. But what you can do is you can use every penny for the glory of God. And if you need to buy cheap wine, you know, yeah. uh, some Trader Joe's. Uh, what, what's well, the... it used to be called two buck Chuck, yeah. but it is not $2 well, it's like anymore. $4 or something. <laughs> but still, you know, if you just do whatever you need to do open that space up. And so I definitely, um, I definitely agree with that. That's good. Yeah. How do we know when to listen and when to speak? Because a lot of times neighbors are going to have different perspectives than we do. They're they're literally strangers. Mm -hmm. And so they're not going to be living the same life we are. They're going to have a lot of different perspectives. Um, what's one way we can just, what's one way we can just stop and listen, I guess, um, to their, well, I sort of just answered my own question, actually. Um, that's what I would say is, is listen to your people, listen to the people around you. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to tell them all about what you have going on. Uh, it is so special when someone asks me, how are you doing? Oh, Hey, what's an update on that thing that you were dealing with? Or, 
uh, I know you guys moved. How, how have you been feeling about, you know, when you get asked a question, you feel so special. So in, so we should do that in return. Yes. Ask, ask your neighbors, like, tell me about, uh, tell me about when you first moved here and just listen. Some of my favorite, most interesting people, in my opinion, are the best question askers. Like if you can be a person who knows how to ask good questions and you do it on a regular basis, people will be drawn to you because you're right. You feel special when someone asks you a question because someone is suddenly interested in your life or interested in your thoughts. And I think that's a great way to start off with your neighbors is to ask them questions about just, I mean, if you don't know where to start, ask them a question about the neighborhood. Hey, we just moved here. What's this neighborhood like? Can you tell me the history of this neighborhood? How long have you been here? I mean, those are really great entry questions. And then start asking them questions about their personal life. Do you have kids? Do you like, it's really not that hard to start a conversation with your neighbors. You just have to be available and willing to put the time in. And it is an investment. You are making an investment in your neighborhood. You're saying, we don't just live here inside our house. Our lives are here. Yep. And this doesn't just apply. Let me just say this very clearly. This doesn't apply to just uh, people who own a house. No, no, no. Uh, The Bible doesn't say, love your neighbor as long as you own the property and you're going to be there for a while. You You may be renting for six months. And you might be like, well, I don't want to get to know anybody because, well, I mean, I'm not going to be here in six months anyways. You were put on this earth as a Christian. You were, you were chosen by God to do his work and to be obedient. And so what, if you have one day in that house, let's say you're, you're Airbnb in a different, na- in a yeah. different city. Yeah, good point. And you're like, oh, well, I'm just here on vacation. I don't need to preach the gospel. Holy cow. Are you kidding me? Like, no, if an opportunity comes up and if the Lord speaks to you, which by the way, he is speaking all the time. Yeah. We're just the ones that aren't listening. So I want to say something about neighbor too, like the actual definition of neighbor. Neighbor is really anybody, anybody you encounter. And I think we've had experiences where we've tried really, really hard with some neighbors. We tried really hard with this single guy who was very lonely lived across the street from us for uh, five years. And we made him food. We invited him over for dinner millions of times, and he just would never come over. He'd even yell across the street like, that fire smells really good. And I'd be like, come over, sit by the fire with us. And he just would never come over. There are going to be certain neighbors that you put the effort in and you receive no fruit back. And that is okay. That doesn't mean that you stop loving them. That just means, okay, he has set a boundary and I'm just going to love from a distance. I'm still going to be available. But maybe I'll try with someone else that I have a deeper connection with. And, you know, I can say that in this neighborhood and our old neighborhood, I already know who are going to be the people who want to be known and who do not want to be known just by our brief interactions. And so I'm going to put the work in to those who seem like they want to be known because that's probably where most the most fruit will come from. There's likely a really good amount of people that are listening that are thinking like, um, 
well, this is not an option for me, period. Like, I just don't do that kind of thing. Well, I have some news for you, <laughs> and so does Lindsay, that uh, it's not an option. So you might think like, okay, well, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, but I just, I don't feel really comfortable talking to people or... Um, there's, there's a, a slew of, of other excuses that you could have. You can but have social anxiety. You could have social anxiety. You could have all those things, which by the way, guess what? I have dealt with as well. And I have dealt with severe anxiety and I have had to trust the Lord with these, with these things. And so, uh, w- what I'd like to say to, um, to that is, uh, the great commission, Yeah. the great commission does not say go into all the world and preach the gospel as long as you feel as long as you're as long, feeling good. Yeah, if you feel like it. If you feel like it, you know, um, if 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 you're if you're feeling on, if you're feeling like you, you you're able to, then you go out into all the world. There there are no there are no excuses in the Great Commission. Every man, every woman, every child that belongs to God is it's not an option. Yeah, this is the mission of your life. And you might be like, oh, that's kind of dramatic, Andrew, don't, don't you think? No, your mission is not to make a lot of money and not to have the, be- the biggest house and the best car and to get married. No, no, no. Those are all just means to an end. Those are all just gifts that God may give us in our time. But this is your calling, Christian. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nation, to every peoples. Yeah. And so you don't have an option whether you want to get involved or not. There's either obedience or there's disobedience. Yeah. And I think of the good Samaritan here uh, on like who your neighbor is and if you get involved or not. Like I think of all of the people passing by this person who was robbed, who was wounded on the side of the road and people being like, it's inconvenient for me to stop and help. And then the good Samaritan, not only stopping to help, but literally providing for him, like paying money to to see this person who is wounded thrive. And that is our job as believers and as neighbors. If we see somebody in need, it's not only our job to to attend that need, but it's our privilege because Jesus, has done that for us and continues to do that for us every day. So when Jesus shows up in our life, we are required to show up in people's lives. Like we really are. We've been given everything we need for life and godliness. And if you're not caring for your neighbor in need, that's not following the way of Christ. And yes, I completely agree. And I will, I will add one more thing. If you are preaching another kind of gospel, then shame on you. I'm just going to say it that way because it's like if you're preaching, uh, let's say for all you Swifties out there or like, um, you know, you, or, or people who have your favorite coffee shop or your favorite restaurant in town or whatever it is that you, that's your gospel. Is like, that's your good news. Uh, my good news is that, you know, um, this artist is in town. Oh, and I love them. I've been following them for 20 years. And that's all you talk about. But the words of Jesus or or any kind of Holy Spirit work never comes out of you and people don't even know you're a Christian, but you're proclaiming a different gospel. 
I, 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 I'm, I'm scared for you. I'm like, man, I don't, I never want to be in that, in that position because not only are you not preaching the true gospel, but you're preaching a different gospel and you're leading people down a different path. Now, don't hear me say that it's not good to talk. I, I, I talk about all the bands that I love and, 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 and I love listening to music and I have favorite movies that I like to watch and things like that. That's not the problem. The problem is if you're talking about those things more or if that's the majority of your conversation versus once a year, you might have some kind of gospel conversation with someone. And so I would encourage you um, to do what you know David writes about in Psalm and ask God, Lord, search my heart, know me, try me, see if there be any wicked way with me and lead me in the way everlasting. Ask that of God. Ask him to search you and to, and to, and to, and to help you to be um, more, more giving of your time and to be more um, Christ-like. Last question here before we talk about just some uh, resources maybe that we might have, suggestions. Uh, Lindsay, what, a, what role does prayer play in creating unity and an understanding in a neighborhood? Prayer is kind of a way that you can connect with someone without having to do it directly. So if someone is going through a difficult time or situation, even you just saying, I'll pray for you, just putting that out there, and then actually following up on that, praying in your secret, quiet place. That's great. But also what I have found to be even more impactful is to say, can I pray for you right now? So this neighbor may not know Jesus or know anything about the gospel and share something hard with you because you already have a relationship. And you say, can I can I pray for you right now? It's not very often that people actually turn that down. Whether they believe or don't believe, people are like, sure, this, this, you can tell, like, this is going to be awkward, but sure. And that is just a really great way of kind of getting your foot in the door of like what you actually believe. I believe that there is a God who cares about you. And one other thing I have learned over the years is that praying allows some freedom to share the gospel in the prayer Mm -hmm. uh, without having to share it with the person directly. Mm -hmm. Uh, I used to, in our old small group in Minneapolis, I used to call it preach praying. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, we didn't get to share the gospel directly, but we preach prayed over them. Like, you can pray back the character of God and pray back the truth of scripture. And these people will be listening to you. They don't have to engage with you. They don't have to respond to you. And it is a seed. It's a seed that you're planting. And not only that, but like, can we just zoom out and say how important prayer is in general? Like we are in control of nothing. And God has created a system (laughs) where he listens to us because of Jesus. So if we believe that truly he is in control of all things, that he's listening to us because we have favor in Christ, then why would we not pray all the time and pray for our neighbors? Because we we don't have control of if they believe or don't believe, but God knows. And yeah, I think I think it's such a, huge tool to be used that a lot of people just 
either don't know how or they're scared or it feels awkward. And I honestly would say that's like my go-to. If I don't know what to do, I'm like, I'm just going to pray. Yep. That's really good. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, yes, I just want to end with uh, a book that for me has been really helpful in learning about hospitality, learning how to engage with people that are just of such different backgrounds. And uh, yeah, it's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. It's a really easy read. It's so easy. It's beautiful. It gives you very practical ideas Mm -hmm. of how to love your neighbors. Yes. So, so good. And then uh, another book, which both Lindsay and I have read. Well, we both read The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And I don't know. Have you read this one? I have. It was a long, long time ago. So this other one is When Helping Hurts, which which is a book that's directly geared toward people who are experiencing homelessness. Well, it's, it's geared toward, uh, folks like you and me who, you know, want to help those people, um, you know, get off the street as it were, or to give them a better life. And, um, it helps to create a framework around, maybe that's actually not the best way to do this. If you're remotely interested in working with people that are different from you and people who are experiencing homelessness and actually have some biblical ways to help them through that journey uh, when helping hurts is a great book yeah if you live in a city and there's homeless people on most of the corners that you drive past you need to read this book yes yep it's essential thank you all again for joining us thanks guys this was fun i hope that we gave you some helpful things to love your neighbors better and i hope that we can live this out here in our new neighborhood too yeah, absolutely. And and j- yeah, just so you all know, like listening, we are we are literally preaching to ourselves here. Yeah. Like a- as we're talking, I'm going, yeah, that's good. I need to. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna remember that. Yeah. That as well. So mm-hmm. we're just all learning together. This is a great dialogue, and just excited to be on the journey with you. So thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Until next time. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Life in the Space. Uh, If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated on future content that we have coming out, make sure to hit that subscribe button. If there's a friend that you think would find this episode helpful, feel free to also share this with them. And as always, if you have any thoughts or suggestions or just want to say hello to us, we love hearing from you. Um, You can shoot us an email at lifeinthespacepodcast at gmail.com. And let's keep the conversation going.